0: The second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you, yourselves, to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month. The second portion is from Ezra, and uh, that's Ezra chapter five, verses one and two. Ezra chapter, f- I'm sorry, Ezra chapter five, yeah. Sorry, Ezra chapter five, verses one and two. Now, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Edo, prophecy to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the. Lo- in the name of the God of Israel, who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shethil, and Joshua, son of Josadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. His name be glorified.
1: Good morning. Are we all tired sitting down? You're free to stand up and sit down again. We do not stand up for a song, so let's just stand up. Stretch and sit down. Actually, Haggai is the second shortest book in the Old Testament. The shortest being Abadaya. I knew you would say it. <laughs> okay. So it's short. The length is short, but it is very direct. It does not beat around the bush. It tells you very straight. And the message is also very short and to the point. And it covers a very short span. To be exact, less than three months. Less than three months. Okay. Uh, You lost it. Okay. Um, So, um, when we come to chapter one, we are just going to look at chapter one. And I'm going to be very direct in giving the direct message of Haggai. He says, first things first, get your priorities right. I think that is the message of chapter 1. Get your priorities right. First things have to be first. Then, you know, there was, subordinate our dislikes to the strength of purpose. Uh, I think there's a very famous essay by a guy by the name E.M. Gray. It, uh, he did a lot of research to find out what was the common denominator among all successful people. Okay, the common, what was in common for all successful people? Was it hard work? No. Some who did not work hard also succeeded. Was it acumen? No. Was it fortune? Not all. It says they had a habit of subordinating their dislikes and pushing forward with the strength of purpose. Do we have a purpose? Follow it. Even when it is not pleasant, when it is hard, just keep pressing. Before we go into it, I'd like to get some um, background of it. So, to understand this, we just need to understand the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar a little bit. You'll find... Uh, description of the seventh month in Leviticus 23. So seventh month starts with what? There's a first date is a holy convocation. All people, all Israelites, all over the nation, they have to have a holy convocation. And on the tenth day of the month, it is the day of atonement. We Most of us are familiar with it. I'm not going into it. Okay, The day of atonement, or Yom Kippur. Okay? And then from the 15th day till 22nd, it is a feast of the tabernacle, or feast of booths as we call it when they dwelt in booths. To remember the olden times. Uh, If you look at the dedication of Solomon's temple, that also happens in the 7th month. And you find that he sends the people away on the 23rd of the month. The whole celebration. So it's Starts with confession and finally ends with celebration. What a great way, right? Start with separating ourselves, then confessing our sins, receiving the forgiveness, and finally uh, it's a festal gathering. And then you go forth with joy. Okay. Now, can you? Okay, you might feel, feel something awkward here. When we write the date, we write 0601 2017. So I put it 0601 D2, D for Darius. Okay, so the second year of Darius. So it starts, Haggai starts in the years. sixth month on the first day. First chapter concludes the same month on the 24th day. And the second chapter is in the seventh month. And finally, after the seventh month, it moves on to ninth month, and then he closes. But if you look at between seventh and ninth month, it's the eighth month, and Zechariah transitions into the scene, and we see um, Zechariah prophesying on in the fourth year as well. And in all probability, he was there till the um, the temple was completed. So this was a special way in which the Lord led the people of Israel to rebuild the tab- the temple after they were um, after they were sent into exile. Okay. And probably to give us uh, brief background. Now, the Babylonian exile took place in three stages. The approximate dates are 605 AD, then 597 BC, and 586 BC, when the temple is completely destroyed and they are carried away. And the um, return of the exile also takes place in three stages. And the first stage, who comes? Zerubbabel and Joshua; and they lead approximately fifty thousand. I think the number is close to forty-nine thousand eight hundred, something like that. You can go and count that. It is in Ezra chapter one, chapter one or chapter two. I think chapter one. Chapter where chapter two. So, when did they come? They came in the first year of Cyrus, Cyrus, king of Persia. Sometimes when you read the book of um, Daniel, you might get a bit confused because the kingdom of Babylon is overthrown and Darius the Mede received the kingdom. So what is that Darius the Mede? But it was in the year of Cyrus. Okay, who was Cyrus? Cyrus was a Persian. So he actually conquered Media. But he had a very good strategy. Whomsoever he conquered, he made friends with them. Actually, he even married a Mead. And then, after, the, um, after he conquered Persia and Mead, you know, he was very foxy. He did not touch Babylon. He went and cut off um, Lydia at that point, which is in um, Turkey. Croesus, you must, you must have read of him in the in old history. So he went and cut them off and then he came and conquered Babylon. So when he came, when Cyrus came, Babylon had already, uh, the Babylonian, um, the Chaldeans were already in a state of degradation. And actually the people welcomed him and he allowed them to keep their gods, not all, Initially, they were carried away, which we read in Isaiah. And wherever he went, he actually um, allowed the the native people to worship their own gods. Why? He wanted no trouble from them. We don't know whether it was that or because of some prophecy that was shared with uh, Cyrus. Anyway, Cyrus, in his first year tells the people of Israel to go back and rebuild the temple. So he, the, around 50,000 people returned under Zerubbabel, who should have been the king, and Joshua, who should have been the high priest. They came and they settled down. And again, 07, Cyrus. Okay. Seventh month of Cyrus What do they do? They have come back. It is the time to come together. It is the time for confession. It is the time to receive the atonement and then the time to celebrate. So they come together. They gathered as one man to Jerusalem. They built the altar. They started their worship. And also, this time, what did they do? They were very practical they awarded a contract for timber supply for the building of the temple. They followed the same... They they did not reinvent the wheel. They used the same method that um, Solomon did. So the, uh, the people from Tyre and Sidon, they would go into the Lebanon forest, cut it down, and bring it to Joppa, and from there they were to bring it. So the first year... They plan things out. They start material procurement for the construction project. And then, in the second year, the foundation is laid. And if you read that, there is weeping and joy because some of them had seen the first temple and they couldn't think of the loss of the temple and probably the fact that The new temple can never be as magnificent as um, Solomon's temple. But they are proved wrong, which will come to maybe at another point in time. So, the foundation was laid. The adversaries had no problem as long as the settlers came down and settled and they worshipped and went about their way. But when they understood that the old temple was going to be rebuilt, they didn't like it. So what did they do? They said, let us also come and build with you. And these were the Samaritans. Okay? The Assyrian king had settled them in, the, in Samaria, and they said they wanted to build along with them. And Zerubbabel said, no. There is a the people of God who are called to build the temple, And he didn't give in. And also he um, cites the fact that it was the Cyrus commissioned them, the Israelites, and not the Samaritans. And what happens? There is a tug of war. And the enemies, they won't sit quiet. And they hire counselors. And finally... The building construction is stopped. Now, when you go through Ezra, the book of Ezra, when you come to that portion, there are um, they immediately go and describe the uh, some of the uh, opposition that happened in the time of Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes, uh, or uh, and Ahasuerus. The general thinking is that this is he he stops the narration there and goes on to the opposition that happened in the time of the building of the wall there also the, he says there was um, opposition then and see again this happened kind of we don't know whether it is that or it is um, other kings that are being mentioned so there is a school of thought which would mention that the two kings that passed in between they could have been other success and has to. I think that's probably not the thing, not the right way to interpret. Okay, can we go to the next? <coughs> so, a little bit of history. Um, you know, Cyrus was a big. Um, Military general. He was very clever. He did everything well. But you know, finally, he came and got defeated. You know where? In my homeland, in my adopted motherland. Where? In Uzbekistan. In Sibdaryo, there is something called uh, uh, the region called Horazm. Uh, It is said that he was killed in Horazm. um, and there he dies, and after that, his son, Cambyses II. Why Cambyses II? Because the Persians were there even before, even before they became a mighty empire. So Cambyses II leads the army to go and conquer Egypt. So the initial Persian Persians, were there, they were just conquering, conquering, conquering. Earlier, there was the Assyrian Empire. They wanted to be bigger than that. Okay. So Babylonians became bigger and Persians come and they make it even bigger after Babylonians who come, after Persians who come. Greeks, they make it even bigger, come even into India, right? After that, the Romans. Romans spread even more to the West. Well, here, uh, Cambyses goes to war In Egypt uh, it it is said that Cyrus had already prepared the um, uh, plan so he proceeds to conquer Egypt he conquers Egypt and then he goes into Ethiopia and he conquers parts of that and later on his whole army disappears it has been a mystery for long but people say uh, they were caught in a sandstorm we do not know Anyway, at the end of it, Cambyses returns, but he never reached the capital. Cambyses had a younger brother, and his name is Smirdis. So there are lots of confusions in the history. Some say, anyway, Darius the, the Mede, who comes later, says that Smirdis was killed by Cambyses, and it was kept a secret. He did not want his younger brother to usurp the kingdom, so he killed him and it was kept a secret. And when Cambyses got defeated, <coughs> the Mejai in Persia, the wise men in Persia, they took somebody else and said that he is and the kingdom went to him. So that is one story. The other story is that it was the real Smurges who came to power. Anyway, Cambyses is on his way back and he dies before reaching the place. Whether it is a real Smurgis or pseudo smudges, we do not know. But Darius and most of the people there said he was a pseudo smudges and we don't want this usurper, so we'll get the kingdom back to us. And Darius the Mede um, stages a coup and takes over. It is in the time of this Darius the Mede that the story of Haggai takes place. It's a little bit um it's good to have a bit of background thank um, okay, you that's fine, so let me there. so when Darius the Mead comes, you no know, there was a pseudo smudges, it is just seven months so there is a there's a change of emperors. It is the right time to politically take advantage and move on move on with the building project if they ever wanted to do it so finally the stage is set (coughs) Haggai the Lord calls Haggai and Zechariah to encourage the people so we see the pattern of prophet priest and king again back in Israel who is the king? Zerubbabel he is now the governor Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, not the other Joshua who conquered Canaan after Moses. He's the high priest. So it is under them that the Lord um, wants this to be reestablished. So I hope you get the picture. So in the year of Cyrus, in the first year of Cyrus, people come back and then they start building in the second year, they start building, and um, the neighbors create a lot of trouble. And the king probably told them to stop, and they could not go forward. So, what would you do? You know, there are people who go to come from richer countries to poorer countries for the um, purpose of missions. Uh, I come across a lot of American missionaries in uh, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan. So they come with a lot of hope. And then they are not able to plug in. And then they lose hope. And what do they do? So here we see Israel in the same position. They thought they are going to come and reestablish the worship, build the temple of Solomon, and then they are not able to go forward. They don't have the military power. And these people are against them. And uh, um, the emperor apparently is probably against them because they have uh, hired is against them. So, let's go to the next one. <coughs> now, the message comes... I want you to realize it does not come to a very uncommitted people. This comes to a committed group of people. very dedicated group of people. Okay. They were living in the America of that time. Okay. And then come, they came back not even to, let's say they went to Jharkhand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or Bihar, whatever. Any... Dark and you don't take off huh? sir. <coughs> so it's a group of people they want to do it. They must have been thriving. They were there for 70 years, you know. Daniel was already way up. And there have been many people from the Jews at that time who are doing very well. Does that remind us of something? About the background of many of us. Yeah. Okay, so go into exile but still become prosperous. Okay. You should have been nothing, but the Lord lifts them up even there materially. But what are they to do with that? They have to throw that off, come back. I not throw that off. Bring all that wealth, come back and build a temple and continue with worshipping the Lord. And these people came with an express purpose. They left their comfort and they came to build. They were very zealous for the Lord. As soon as they come, they come together in the seventh month. There is confession, there is receiving of forgiveness, there is That festal gathering, and then they plan their construction project. In the second year, they start doing, and then there is uh, this whole mission enterprise comes to a grinding halt for no fault of their own. Now, uh, if you look at the time period between um, that building project and this, it's approximately fifteen years. So, what would you do? 15 years, maybe 13 years, doing nothing? Well, we have children, they need to grow up, right? They need to get educated. Okay, nothing else is happening, at least let us build our house, homes. I, I feel this sad story repeating again and again among believing circles. There is a generation that forsakes all, goes forward, and does things. And finally what happens? The coming generations, and sometimes that generation itself gets lulled into a sleep. And if you have read uh, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, The Enchanted Ground, and you go into things... That are not profitable, but it is enchanting church are we on the enchanted ground? I know most of us here are not um, are not very simplistic people there are many who are serious and committed. But do we get lulled into sleep? And then are we in the enchanted ground, enjoying the freshness of the air? And they become lukewarm. So, here they are. What do they say? Let's go to the scripture here. So they don't take a step. So now the Lord calls the prophets. Because the Lord has a message for them now. They have not been these guys who should have been working. They are not working now. So what does he do? He calls them and he says, Look here. There's something wrong with you. And he talks to the leaders. the leaders. In verse 1, it says, <coughs> Can I have a bit of water? It says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. Okay. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, These people says, that time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. The time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. This is an excuse. You know Billy Sunday, I'm sure you must have heard of Billy Sunday, the great preacher, the turn of um, the 20th century in America. He was a very rough and tough preacher. Maybe a little bit controversial. So he tells about an excuse. An excuse is a skin of a reason stuffed with lie. Okay? If we have reasons, is it a skin of a reason with a stuffing of lie inside? All of us have troubles, don't we? All of us have difficulty in ministering. But is that an excuse? And then we move, do we move into the enchanted ground? When we cut open that, sin, that skin of reason, what do we see behind it? The case of these people could have been fear. They are scared. They are scared. There is such a lot of political change. Osiris allowed us to do this, and then he got killed in the battle. And then Cambyses came up. He went victorious, but he was not favorable to us. And then, literally, he lost his army to the wind. And then there was this smelagist, whoever, there's such a lot of change. And then Daniel has come. There's a lot of political change. Oh, this is not the time to do. Let's wait till there is stability. Let's wait till India settles down. No. The Lord says No. This is a skin of reason. Love of pleasure, the comfort zone, luxury. What did they do in those 13-14 years? They built homes. Nice ones. Paneled houses. If it were now, they would have had big malls. Believe me, they would be. Go to every place a Jew has been, they are like Sindhis. Hmm? Barbaris. You put them on the dunghill, they will be prosperous within five years. They built panel homes, they had their stores running, they had their entertainments running and Also, they had their worship and they had their altar. But the Lord sent them for what? To build the temple. So that he would be glorified. So that his glory would be seen to the nations. Not as a light hidden under a bushel, but kept on a stand. As a city. That is set on a hill. Where is our faith? Where is our faith? In our places of work? In our communities? Where is that city set on a hill? In our educational institutions? It's a great thing if we survive somehow and don't go into drinking and weed. Right? No! If students are in an institution, they are sent to conquer that land for Christ. Not just to survive. The Lord calls us to thrive and to conquer. Not just to subsist. Do we get lulled into all sorts of comfort? What's happened to the brethren community, the Pentecostal community or any of the communities that were full of gospel a decade um, a generation or two generations back? What has happened? They have all become rich They are very well placed socially. How many of them are into the real mission of God? We have all the wisdom. We have all the learning. But where are we? This story repeats generations after generations. So, if you are a First, time, first generation believer, be careful. It's coming to you as well. We need to be constantly active. The secret of being fruitful, as success that man called subordinate our dislikes. Yes, we like this enchanted ground. We don't like to be hardy. We like to enjoy that position. We like to enjoy the wealth. We like to enjoy our education. Subordinate our dislikes to the strength of the purpo- to the strength of our purpose. Not that all of you should immediately resign your jobs and go. No. Where the Lord has called you. Let, that, let your light shine forth. Some of us are called to be in a vacation in the marketplace. Some of us are called to be lights in very dark and places. Some of us are called to minister, called out from those jobs to minister even to the believers. Each one should know his calling and minister exactly there. Oftentimes, our decisions, the way we make decisions, is that we prioritize our education, we prioritize our career, and of course, around that, we will minister. Wherever you are, be a witness for the Lord. No. Where the Lord has called you, be a witness for the Lord. Make sure that you are in the right place. Make sure that it is your calling. Ask the Lord, is it what you would hire me to do? I run after secular things and make that my foundation. And from there, if I start ministering, that's not the pattern. The pattern is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then the rest. The rest is to be built around it. No, the kingdom work should not be built around our secular career and education. But our education and career has, have to be built around the kingdom work. Seek first his kingdom and his Righteousness, a theology. I had quite a few of that while I was growing up as a Christian. So we were in Chhattisgarh. So there was one of those um, uncles who used to say, "These Chhattisgaries, they are very laid back and lethargic. There is no use going and talking to them. Even the some of them are elected, and those who are elected will come. We'll just go and give thanks and come." I still remember such discouragements coming from some of them. Um, last week, I went to uh, Bilai and I went to Jorathrai. Okay. <laughs> we had, well, there are Chattisgaris worshipping there in Balud and Pakanchur. Right here we have uh, uh, Shatru. Shatr- Well, we can hide behind the skin of our theology and say, those who are elected will come, we'll just go out and give thanks on a weekend. But we need to be focused in our call. So let not fear, let not our love of pleasure and luxury and even being shaken out of our comfort and stable life Or theology, for them it must have been, they must have been debating. Oh, 70 years. Was it after the 605 exile? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the Lord sent us in Cyrus' time. Okay, that is around 535 BC. Okay. And then nothing is happening. Oh, no. 597. So come down here. Oh, even now, no. So it is 586 minus 70 516. Time has not come. Time has not come. I'm imagining that they said that. The legalist sect must have said that. And then, you know some they were into panel houses, but now what's happening? There's global economic crisis. Actually, not global economic crisis. Jerusalem economic crisis. Why? The Lord has withheld abundance from them. If you're a believer who is not much bothered about the work of the Lord, this may not happen to you. But if you are really a person who is dedicated and goes back, probably the Lord will throw a brick at you look at him. So he might withhold certain things. So if something goes wrong, maybe look at him. Maybe he's trying to get your attention. You give a kid um, in an exam, if you're a teacher, give a kid a passing grade, they don't bother. Give a zero, they will immediately wake up. Even so, (coughs) Even so, the Lord is getting their attention. And probably some of them are saying, Oh, we don't have the financial resources. This is not the right thing to do. No. He can come up with scores of excuses. But if you make an excuse, you know what? You'll always be making excuses. If you're an excuse maker... You will always be making excuses. <coughs> Some of the lessons to be learned. Did the Samaritans trouble them after they stopped building? No. They could build their mansions and even malls, they wouldn't have bothered. They, they are living in panel houses. Can they have a form of worship? Yeah, why not? Hindus worship, Catholics worship, and Muslims worship. Oh. They have a pujari, they have a, what? um, Mullah? And what do you have? A pastor? We are not even ready to declare that we don't believe in a single pastor model. Right? I come across that quite a bit. The enemy is not concerned if you live in comfort. And so do the children of the enemy. Okay. You start doing something in real serious, then you will come across opposition. Enemies concerned when he sees temple builders. Builders of temple. What is a temple? Jobin has been talking to us from First Corinthians chapter 3. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You yourselves are being built into a temple, Ephesians. Come to him to that living stone and be yourselves built when the church is being built up the enemy will take notice and a built up church will have fellowship and personal growth it would also have evangelism outreach and new believers coming in rows, discipling and even Missionaries going forth and conquering new territories. When, as long as our vision is about our personal growth, somehow sustaining our spiritual life, opposition is not much. Serious discipling, serious <clears throat> outreach, you will see. The enemy wake up. so and in personal lives, also this temple building does happen. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen talks about our bodies as the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now when you as a person try to grow tries to grow you will immediately come across mockery and sometimes even opposition from people around and opposition from the gadgets that you use to pull you into sin and immorality do we fight our dislikes do we subordinate them And make it a habit. I remember talking to somebody, probably he's sitting here even now. So, why are you not able to overcome this? Actually, I'm not that determined. You got it. If you're not that determined with this thing, this will get you. Right? Take it to any field. There are sinful habits and habits that would beckon us to sin. Cut it off. It is better to enter heaven without pocket internet or a laptop. Right? it is better to enter heaven even without certain friends. It is better to enter heaven being lonely. Temple builders. The enemy doesn't like temple builders. He will come after you, but fight it. And we must build on the foundation of Christ. And We must build, and we ourselves should be built. Being built into, okay, and at the same time, building on the foundation of Christ. So, this building always has to be two way build yourselves up in the Lord, never stops. If you stop, as we discuss here and there, it's like a dead fish in water. It will be carried along with the current of the world. A live fish swims across the current. And let that be our story. Next. So, why did those people leave Babylon and come? Why did they come to Jerusalem? Why in your life you made certain commitments? Don't lose courage. Wake up. Wake up. There is time. There is always time. Till you die, there is time. If you are in Jerusalem, what are you there for? Not to live in panel houses. The Lord might give you that as well. But that is not God's primary purpose. Temple first, then panel houses. Temple first, and you may not have a house even. That's fine too. If the temple is there, Everything is there. Next. Again. Okay. So let us be active in the right things. Let us concentrate our effort in the right things. The activities that we choose, we are all busy, right? We are all busy. I think most of the church was busy yesterday evening because there were only 7 of us for track distribution. I'm assuming most of us were busy. Right? <clears throat> or you take any activity. I think most of us are so busy, there is nobody to volunteer to work along Siji in Kardesh. Just one person has volunteered after all that. I, I'm I'm not um, saying it, don't uh, get me wrong. There's a lot of good things happening and there are people who are involved in a lot of things as well. And I think some people are just getting burnt out also. So this challenge is for people who are not thinking of it. Okay? So if you're active in the right things, you like to cut down on things that are wrong. And sometimes, things that are neutral. There's no harm in going and spending some time with some friend with whom you are not sharing the gospel, but just enjoying his company. Correct? But should that be our priority? If you are spending time with him, we we also pray for his soul. And we will also involve with him. Here we have so much time we get into more social things. We have so much time that we go in for more and more entertainment. Right? Let us be active in the right things. And let the Lord take pleasure. It's not our pleasure. But the Lord's pleasure that we should seek. And you know what? When we seek the Lord's pleasure, He seeks our pleasure. It is not difficult, it is not at all difficult to be doing what the Lord likes. You know why? You will find pleasure in that. Three, four times I ran into a guy sitting here. He I am so happy, I am so happy these days. I am So much involved in the study of the word and this is exactly what I want to do and teaching that and enjoying that. I'm enjoying that. Yes, there were lots of uncertainties when he took certain decisions and he moved. But when he he got into that, there is pleasure. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At the right hand of the Lord, there is pleasures forevermore. It's not like you have to be pepped up with a, with a movie all the time to get your spirits up or to forget your troubles. Right? When we walk with the Lord, when we are engaged in the work of the Lord, there is a pleasure that we enjoy. And the Lord says, seek his glory. That's exactly um what is written there. Uh, he calls them to build a temple for his glory. Okay, if he read verse eight Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. The Lord would take pleasure and that the Lord would be glorified. You know what our are? That I would be glorified. Or oh, I am in such and such a position in the company. What's that word that he used? The present jargon, upward? <laughs> upward mobility. They saw, George said, I am stuck in... The lingo of 80s. These are all new lingos, you know. I'm out of um, corporate world for long. You know, and you, you don't get upward mobility and then there is such a lot of pressure and tension and sadness. And please pray. No, the Lord doesn't want you to be running after that. You seek the Lord's pleasure. You seek the Lord's glory and he will give you his pleasure, your pleasure as well. Even in workplaces, he will lift you up where needed. He might give you a better race. You know what for? To spend more on your pleasure or to spend more for his glory. Right? We know the principles that we have been taught. So, come back to the final thing again. Let us subordinate our dislikes to the strength of the purpose. What is the purpose? Let the, Lord, let the Lord take pleasure. Let the temple be built. Let the Lord be glorified. Otherwise, he might throw a brick at you. Okay? And if that happens, wake up. There's a WhatsApp story that has been circulating for months about somebody throwing... 5 rupee coin, 5 rupee, 10 rupee, then 500 rupee. And the the supervisor throwing from the top and the guy puts it in. And then he throws a rock and the guy looks up. You know, the Lord can keep on giving us uh, educational and career blessings. And we may not realize what it is for. And finally he has to take a brick and throw at us. So what do we learn from Haggai? Seek the Lord's glory. Let us be temple builders. He has called us for that. Take pleasure in God's pleasure. Take pleasure in seeking God's glory. May the Lord help us. Let's close our eyes and pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for these stories that are recorded in the scripture. These are our own stories at various stages of our life we go through this each of us goes through this Father help us to understand where you are calling us and what we should be doing help us to move on to seek your glory each moment of our life help us to be temple builders in our personal lives building ourselves up and at the same time building the church of God God and we pray that our church will be built up. That there will be deep discipling here. That there will be people who grow up to be elders and deacons. And there will be people who will be moving out from here to establish <coughs> new churches, spreading your word to people around. Thank you, Father, in Christ's precious name.